Everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. We would love to have have Kelvin back. The sky's the limit. He's only going to get better because uh, of the way he works. You know, when you love something as much as he loves football, you can't help but get better. Stepping up, stepping up, fires a deep downfield, wants Calvin Ridley. Calvin's out there, Calvin's got it, five-yard line, into the end zone, touchdown, Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley for the score. Yeah, Josh will be a champion. Young goes down again, and it's Josh Allen. Boy, they're starting to pin their ears back. You got to take a competitive football team and turn it into a champion. That's that's not easy, but that's our job. You only get so many windows in this league, and and we feel like with the personnel that we have, and we'll continue to add. You know, our window, our windows now. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents. Jaguars today with your hosts Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and Dylan Denmark. All right, good morning, everybody. Start your day the bulky way. That's what we've done all week long with our uh, Jaguars today open. Tony Smith started his day the six a.m. way. I did on the drill. How'd it go this morning? It was fun. Was it? Yeah. It's all fun. Right. Two hours. Yeah. It was. Uh, I I commented on it during the opening segment. I, it's because I heard the open of the drill for the first time since the last time I had had to produce the drill, which Tony Baselli was still on the morning show the last time that I had heard the open wow. <laughs> at 6 a.m. And I was filling in as the producer. It's been that long since I've had to do the 6 a.m. weekday shift. I did it a couple times doing the pre-pregame for Jaguars football when they were going to London, we still had the gumption for the first couple of years of that to actually do that two-hour pregame two hours before the Jaguars pregame stuff yeah, that started. Yeah, 4 a.m. kind of Yeah, deal. we did that four to six, whatever kind of deal there for a couple of years. But, yeah, it's been that long since I've had to do 6 a.m. And uh, it is what it is. Better you than me, yeah. but I'm sure it was very entertaining. I say I'm sure because I was – in deep in meditation on Jaguar-related subject matter that we were going to be discussing today, <laughs> I Tony, yes. in my dojo at the house. Uh, Pockets, how are you? Good morning. Um, those greens yesterday at Fleming Island might have been the best greens we've seen in a long they time. They were huh? insane. They really were. They were fantastic. Hats off to Fleming Island. Uh, hats on to me. <laughs> I couldn't hit a golf ball straight to save my life yesterday. All right, uh, today... We're going to get into uh, more Jaguar-related issues, and uh, we may have stumbled upon a decent poll question today based on the spread of responses that we're getting so far, Tony. We've talked a lot about salary cap, casualties, potential guys, how you can free up room, knowing that every time you free up a space, you've got to have an answer for how you fill that space. And so that makes some guys more likely to be salary cap casualties. Like, we think Rayshon Jenkins is pretty good candidate because you've got Antonio Johnson. You have Wingard as a kind of your swing safety, if you will, and obviously yeah. Andre Cisco. and you feel like, okay, you know what, for $5 million in cap savings and even more next year, and meaning in 2025, let's go ahead, make that move now, even though Rayshon's still a solid player, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these other guys, 
Um, for instance, Cam Robinson, you, you do have some answers, but you're going to have to have a pretty comprehensive plan for how you're going to address offensive line. That's where you can get your biggest cap savings based on where contracts stand right now. So today's Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day to get us uh, off and rolling are asking you about potential cap casualties. It doesn't mean the Jags are going to cut all these guys necessarily, but this is some areas where they can find savings. One guy they can find some savings on is Foyer Oluokin. Mm-hmm. And we didn't include him in this because I don't think people would choose him as the most likely to go. I think he'd be overwhelmingly selected as the most likely to remain yeah. because of what he has done. You know, led the league and come close to leading the league in tackles the last couple of years here for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we went with these options today. You can save $16 million on Cam Robinson. You can save $10 million on Darius Williams. In fact, you can say that $10 million represents almost no dead cap, meaning no money that will impact your salary cap if he's gone. And I do think they structured the deal that way when they signed him initially. Yep. Anticipating some of these young corners that we've picked will develop and we'll have a pipeline ready to replace him, Tone. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they've got that pipeline. That's the argument that would have been made for Foyer. Yes, you with, know, with like, Chad Muma. Yeah, they've invested heavily in the middle linebacker spot, but not well enough, not getting the results that you would need to feel comfortable moving on from Foyer at this point, I wouldn't think. I, I would agree with you. Um, Brandon Sheriff, I think, is a guy that is going to create a hole. I think, I, I'm honestly surprised he's getting as big a percentage of this poll mm-hmm. response as he is. Being the question, who's the most likely to remain with the team this year? You can save $9 million on Brandon Sheriff, you're still going to have a significant dead cap hit if he moves on, but you do save $9 million bucks, and I think that's one area. You know, guard, they do need to be better on the interior of the offensive line, but that is sometimes an area where you can find cheap labor sure, and structure your team's salary that way that that's, you know, where you don't want to necessarily have a huge financial investment. The Jags have tried the big financial investment with mixed results. Yeah. I mean, when you uh, we mentioned briefly, ESPN put out the list of the top fifty free agents. Yes, right. Bill Barnwell, I think, is the one who did that list. Uh, he does a lot of that. Curating yeah, I believe it was Bill's list. But I made note of the offensive linemen in general, but specifically the interior offensive linemen that were in that top fifty. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Robert Hunt was fourteen on the list, Miami guard, and he's expected to get a lot of cash. Yes. But he, boy, I would love Robert Hunt here. He's uh, one of those mobile guys who Absolutely. can pull, get out there, um, athletic type that they're supposedly looking for. Yeah, twenty-two. He had Jonah Jackson, Detroit guard, okay. had a really good season. Obviously, uh, Kevin Dotson, twenty-fourth, the Rams, a guard. Kevin Zeitler, number forty on the list with Baltimore. They list this Remember, guard. Kevin Zeitler was the kind of the apple of our free agent eye. How long ago was it? Five, six years ago? Yeah, it was, a, it was the last contract for him, I would guess. I, but, right, yeah. unless he restructured and extended that yeah. deal, yep. Something like that. And then they had Connor Williams, the Miami center, at number 43 on the list, which would put him as the highest-ranked center. Didn't he have, wasn't he injured? He was this year, right? And he was. So he, he had an injury late in the season. So I'm not sure what it looks like for him going through the off season or early on next year. But that gives you what is that? One, two, three, four, five of the top fifty. One out of ten are I interior linemen, and he. They also had Tyron Smith, 
Mike Onwenu, Jonah Williams, and Trent Brown. So offensive tackles that were there in the top 52. I mean, that's, you know, over 20% of the list is offensive line. Right. I don't see the Jags investing in a veteran offensive tackle. I don't either. With Walker Little here. Yeah. Uh, You know, Cam, uh, there's a possibility you could give Cam another extension. And lower that cap figure. They could. Right? And that is one way you could keep him here. He is slated to be an unrestricted free agent. I don't think there are any dummy years left on his deal um, after this year. I'm looking at it on Spot Track mm-hmm. this morning. Uh, so, anyway, the final guy we put in the poll this morning was uh, Zay Jones, where you don't save as much, but at the same time, you're weighing Zay's impact versus. Some of these other guys, is Zay worth an $11 million cap charge this year? He's been kind of in that $5, 6000000 million range mm-hmm. the last couple of years. And that's been good production for that level of cap charge. You know, with some injuries keeping him out last year, he definitely wasn't worth $11 million worth of cap space. The question is, how do you project him going forward and how big of a part of the offense do you think he'll be? But you could say $4.5 million on Zay. So we've already got over 200 votes in on this. And it's pretty evenly spread between Zay, Darius Williams, and Cam Robinson in terms of who you expect to be the most likely to return yep. to the Jags. And still, over 13% of people say Brandon Sheriff. And I, I I did put most likely and remain all in all caps. Just to make sure you know that's what we're asking here, not who's most likely out the door. Uh, so hopefully you're voting accordingly. But we'll talk about that today. And there are a couple of other guys, but, you know, I, I – Foye Lukin's going to have a massive cap charge, but how do you move on from that guy and open up another hole in your front seven defensively? Yeah, most of the other guys that we could have included in the poll would be for the other reason. It's, yeah, they're moving on. Right. Like Rayshon. Right. You know, like... Right, like Rayshon, because you have guys that you can make we know the case going to step in. right in. Yeah. And, and mostly, like Darius Williams, that's a good savings, but what's the plan? Yeah. Cam's the biggest savings, but... A lot of people also look at him as the most effective offensive lineman. And if offensive line's an issue, can you afford to open up and create another hole on that offensive line? I think there are ways to look at it where the Jags are actually pretty well covered uh, to go down that road. But they're going to have to add a couple of pieces mm-hmm. along the way this offseason, be it in free agency or the draft, as we know. So uh, whatever you want to get into today on the Jags is always fair game. As long as it's uh, semi-reasonable, 641-1010 will get you on board on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines or on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Hit us up on social media today at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, or at 1010XL Denmark. Hold my pocket! Or hop in the YouTube chat and post a comment there as well if you would like. Tell us which of those potential Salary cap casualties do you think is most likely to remain with the Jags? And why, for that matter? If you want to make your case, you know the ways to do it right here. Uh, You're listening to Jaguars Today. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and Dylan Denmark on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Now more Jaguars Today on 1010XL. All right, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark here with you. Uh, Tony, hey, at least we're not the Washington Commanders who've got (laughs) – like the most cap space in the league mm-hmm. and the number two pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And they can't find anyone who wants to coach your football team, apparently. Not yet. At least not among the leading candidates mm-hmm. that are out there. Um, I guess the the rumor is Ben Johnson wanted $15 million a year to be a head coach. Anytime a guy 
withdraws, or a lady for that matter, and any job withdraws their name publicly from consideration, you know what that means. It means they knew they weren't getting the job, mm-hmm. right? I mean, almost always. I'm sure there are occasions, and someone could point out to me, one or two, where someone withdrew their name because they got fed up with the process or whatever, but I generally do believe that um, it's kind of like the old, well, we could fire you or you could resign. You know, it'll look better for you, I guess, if you are the one who's quitting. We've probably all known a few people like that over the years. I know some stories that would blow your mind in that regard, but uh, regardless of that, you know, it's just how it goes, and you know you're not getting it, and it could be because you did ask for too much. As a first-time coordinator, they said he was asking for $15 million. Harbaugh reportedly, and it, it, this reporting is always kind of a little shaky to me because there's no official list that anybody puts out. Like, why don't they, by the way? Yeah, I don't know. Right? Like, I get it. There's a salary cap in football, and therefore knowing what a player makes is somewhat important, but there's no salary cap in baseball. We know what all these guys make. Why can't we know what the coaches make? Yeah. All the assists. Why, why shouldn't they be put on blast as well? Because we do it to the players all the time. This guy's making and, and we For do it sure. all yeah. the time. Look, look what our subject is today. It's basically who's worth what they're getting, right? Because we could save this. Oh, well, we could do without that. Kidding me? Save mm-hmm. this many millions of dollars? Same with coaching. Harbaugh and those contracts, though, are fully guaranteed. Harbaugh reportedly got like $16 million to come back and coach the Chargers. There were reports he would get north of 20. Uh, it was believed Belichick was getting around 20 million dollars and look if you are a great head coach why shouldn't you be getting that kind of money is a head coach as important as a quarterback maybe not but is he two and a half times less important than the quarterback right you know what I mean like if the top quarterbacks make 55 million should we even bat an eye at a coach making 20 I don't think so yeah it is what it is I have no idea honestly don't know what Doug Peterson makes yeah and that's all just the owner being willing to pay whoever, however much. Like, uh, the owners may be willing to pay the quarterbacks $200 million, right? But they have a cap. Right, and that, it that's It restricts part of it what you can spend. They also have a floor, yeah. right? Like in theory, there's, you know, over uh, – and I don't even know – for a while they did that. You were supposed to hit a certain percentage of the cap over a certain amount of year period. Yeah. and And I think most teams spend – relatively close yeah. to the cap these I've days. I've never had the sense that the NFL had a problem with, you know, teams. Drag. Occasionally yeah. you get one or two yeah. teams but it's, that it's need not to be like Major League along. Baseball where teams will have a calculated oh, God, plan. No. We're pl- we're pulling back for 5 years to hopefully make a run for one. We're going to pay our entire team less than half of what you're paying right. like, Shohei Otani. Like the NFL just doesn't work that way. No, it do- and and grant it's better. It's better. For more fan bases, look, me as a fan of a a baseball team that's got money, I don't care. I don't feel bad for you small market teams. I'm not a fan of your teams. I don't care. Yeah. Has nothing, no bearing on me whatsoever. No, the Braves spend money. I don't have a problem with it. It's a different story. Like, Chad Khan, by the way, spends money. Yeah. Does he spend it effectively has been the question, Tony. He, I mean, for, I I don't know to this moment if it's still accurate, but for, uh, in recently, was it maybe as recent as the last year or two, since he came into the league, he had spent the most money, yep. I believe, in terms cash. of guaranteed yeah. cash laid out in contracts. So people say he doesn't want to win. I, I, I absolutely think he wants to win. Yeah, I think they all want to win. 
does that mean they're all competent in getting a yeah. team across the finish line? I think he wants to win and is willing to put his resources into making that happen. Yes. I, I think that they haven't found that combination to allow that to happen. I don't think Shad Khan should be all that involved in the football side of things. I don't think he knows enough football to be all that involved in the football side of things, which is why, look, the last several years, we've talked about this over and over, the idea of that EVP. You know, when they brought in Coughlin, that made all the sense in the world to have a guy that this is the football guy. Everything that happens on the football side of this franchise, that's Coughlin, right? He's going to choose the coach. He's going to choose the players. Like, it's all eventually going to flow through Tom Coughlin and Shad had that level between him and everything else that was going on with the team, a guy that he felt like he trusted in TC. We thought they may be doing that again when Urban fell apart. Now's the next opportunity to create that kind of system in Jacksonville. He chose not to. For whatever reasons he chose not to, he chose not to. And so it's your very typical NFL setup, GM, head coach, answering to the owner. And the owner, look, he's not a football guy. He's a good businessman. He's got a lot of money, and he's willing to put his money towards helping the team win, but that doesn't mean that you get the right football guys in to help your team win. I think that he looks at Trent Balk and he looks at Doug Peterson and says, where do I need to spend to make this happen? And they tell him where they think he needs to spend to make it happen. He says, do it. Like, that's my... He's done it right. ever since he bought the that's team. That's my feeling on Khan. He asks the football guys, what do we need to do to win? They tell him what they think that answer is, and he says, do it. Like, that's how it feels to me. It's interesting. You mentioned Coughlin. Who, did you see he's advising Antonio Pierce on filling out his coaching staff, yeah. right? Obviously, Antonio Pierce played for Tom Coughlin with the New York Giants, and so he's got that relationship. You know, the last time Coughlin was a part of this organization, as you were pointing out, he became... Persona non grata with the Players Association. He did. Right? And that's Tom. Tom, you know, the whole thing, we kind of joke about Coughlin time. We live in a different era now where, you know, players have rights that they're willing to exercise. And they collectively bargain how much practice time, for instance, you're allowed to have. And if you're going to exceed that, you know, old school coach would be like, I got to do whatever I say. You know, and I think that's. A little bit of Tom Coughlin, like, hey, I, whatever the parameters are, you got to be willing to go above and beyond, and that's fine. But people do have rights, yeah. And the players' rights usually get superseded by the team's rights. I mean, that just they lose the negotiation overall. So I've never had a problem for them sticking up for their end of the collective bargaining agreement, uh, whatever that happens to be. No, but you see this item that's out there today. If if you're gonna say what bucket. Is Tom Coughlin, and he's in the Belichick bucket. Now, I'm For not talking sure. about in terms of accomplishment. I'm talking about yeah. personality, the way they style, run it. Yeah. old school, kind of gruff, all about ball. Maybe they have a heart of gold. All that's fine. But what you see yeah. as the forward-facing aspect of the organization is is no nonsense, football, 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 yep. right? Um, Belichick, uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Belichick's got the six titles to Coughlin's two. Yeah. I'm not saying they're equal in that regard okay they're no, similar coaches similar styles yeah. mentalities um tom brady's dad uh did an interview and told the boston globe and it's interesting because you wonder how much was this a discussion point over the years of brady's career tom mm-hmm. brady 
uh, Jr., uh, the guy we know as Tom Brady. Uh, his dad, Tom Sr., told the Boston Globe, look, Bill's tough. He runs a military system, but it's a different generation. He's a great, great, great coach, but his interpersonal skills are horrible. That's the bottom line. How many times has he said, uh, now this is where it gets personal for the Brady family, mm. that he wanted to win without Tommy. When he went without Tommy, he didn't know what he was losing. So, they, look, this is a guy with an axe to grind. No right? doubt. His son was told, basically, or whether he was told directly, Belichick has reportedly told Robert Kraft that Brady's not the same guy. He's lost it. And then he goes on to Tampa, and he clearly hadn't lost it. Nope. And uh, Kraft bet on the wrong guy in that horse race, so to speak. If you're going to pick one, should have stuck with Brady, and maybe you would have been relevant for a couple more years. Mm -hmm. right? And you'd be in... No worse boat than you are right now, starting over, new coach, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But basically saying that you can't – you're not going to be able to consistently win like that unless you've got just an exceptionally lucky set of circumstances. And they found a quarterback who not only, Tony, was he the 199th pick in the draft, for years was willing to take reportedly like half of his market value. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady could have – put any number in front of Robert Kraft, and it would have basically been justified. I, I say any number. He could have put $100 million a year in front of Robert Kraft and said, I'm worth that to you. And whether Kraft would have agreed with that at that moment, when he left, you saw what they'd become. They'd become a 500 team at best. Yeah. And he was the guy that if you just had him, you had a fighting chance to make it to the postseason to win your division and – because he was so special to make a run, you had to have a little bit of help. It's still a team game. Yeah. But um, you're just basically saying that that style is not going to work anymore. And, look, who knows what these interviews were like with Atlanta, but not a lot of teams knocking on Belichick's door. No. And the one that seemed like they were honed in on signing him ultimately decided to go in another direction with a guy that, for them, is a retread in Raheem Morris, who was their interim coach at one point and was, was deemed not good enough to keep around. And now they're going back to him. And I'm not saying that's a bad choice, by the way. Raheem Morris is well-respected in NFL circles. Not every team has to be coached by Bill Belichick. Obviously, Andy Reid's got a bunch of Super Bowl rings he's been collecting, or at least a couple of them, uh, in recent vintage. Somebody else is going to win these Super Bowl rings in the near future as well. But it's I just yeah I, I do think there's some kernels of truth to that. I also think there's a lot of sour grapes probably from uh, Brady's dad. There is, and I do think you can look around the league and see. I think all coaches take the job that they've been given very seriously, and to some degree, they all have a little bit of whatever Belichick and Coughlin were in them, right? Like that. That's the position that they're in. But I think. The position of head coach doesn't have a lot of that guy in it anymore, right? Not in the NFL. Like, the way that job works around the NFL has changed. Andy Reid is a really successful guy, and he's really serious about football. And, you know, he demands accountability from his players. He does all those things that Belichick does, but I don't get the sense that he's like Belichick. No, well, you see, just... And maybe it's just a projection, but like you see him in those commercials with yeah. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. right? And and even at the end, I feel like that's a like a genuine, candid shot they got him. You know what I'm talking about? Where he's sitting there, he's like, "I'm the MVP," right? Yeah. And, he, and he throws the confetti in the air. Yeah. And Andy Reid just kind of 
breaks character and just starts laughing. I think they that he probably yes. just had a lot of fun doing that spot with Mahomes, and they probably have a ton of fun. By the way, did you see Mahomes, the, the dad bod photo of Mahomes? Yeah, I did. Like, In the locker room, I don't want to yeah. hear all this. You know, we talk about, you know, this guy's not running enough sprints or he's not dead. And what is he doing on the beach? He ought to be out there doing this in the offseason. Like, look at Tubby over there mm-hmm. just stacking up MVPs and Super Bowls and all that. And I get, maybe you say, hey, look, if you can play as well as Patrick Mahomes, yeah, for you sure. could be a fat boy. He's a fat boy, man. He, he definitely got a, a a little bit of a dad bod going on. A little bit on. of that going, no doubt. You see that side-by-side people were putting out, the you know, the Brady combine photo. Yeah, yeah. Right, and the Mahomes the locker room chest. photo. Yeah. Right, like these are the two most dominant <laughs> quarterbacks maybe of all time. These uh-huh. are the two goats, and neither one of them look like uh, they've done a crunch no. in their lifetime. Hey, good for Patrick Mahomes, man. Who cares? What, there, if this goes, what difference does it make? Yeah. You're in play sports here against that guy that if you looked at him, Looks out of shape and it'll wear you out all day. Oh, yeah. Right? Like uh, the fat guy in the basketball court, you're like, I'm just going to run this guy into the ground. Right. And then you're like, how is he doing this? Yeah. I don't know why Mahomes has that kind of body, considering if you watch the quarterback show from last year on Netflix, like they showed you what Mahomes was doing to work out. And it's like, that ain't the kind of body you have when you're working out. Like, like, like what is – I can't put these two things together. Because I don't know. Because he's a monster in the, the workout room. What, which just goes to show you, though, a little bit, like, it, it's not – there's no one formula. No. Right? Like, I mean, you see some of these guys that come into the combine, they look like chiseled specimens. And at different positions, I think there are different requirements. But No doubt. Like, nobody – gets too upset if an offensive lineman has a little bit of a pot belly or, you know, a defensive tackle. I guess some people do. If I was making $10 million, I'd be in the best shape. And <laughs> Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. I mean, part of your job is not being moved if you're a lineman yeah. in There football. is nothing more stunning than being around NFL offensive linemen and seeing the kind of athletes they still are at that size, that they can even do what they can do. At that size, offensive and defensive linemen in the league. I mean, it's 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 hard to understand. Like you can't comprehend it. You know, most of the time when you're close enough to it to actually see it, it's like that dude is that big, and can do what? It's it's bananas. The kind of athletes they have on the offensive and defensive line. That doesn't mean that they're gonna be running sprints, right? That's not the kind of athlete they are. But the kind of athleticism they need to do their jobs. It's ridiculous the things they can do. Hopefully we'll get a few more of those types uh, around these parts for the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, today's question of the day, which of these potential salary cap casualties is the most likely to remain with the Jags in 2024? You got Cam Robinson, and he represents a potential $16 million savings. Darius Williams, a $10 million savings. Uh, Brandon Sheriff, nine. And Zay Jones, $4.5 million. Which of that quartet is the most likely to still be a Jacksonville Jaguar, maybe more than one will be, but if you're putting odds on it, which one's the most likely to remain with the Jags in 2024? That's your Chad and Sandy Real Estate Question of the Day. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jaguars today on 1010XL. McManus didn't sit here, right? Correct. He did not. A little shaky on the microphone over here. I figured the big brute might have... uh, I'd wreck things in here. I laughed when I walked in because Tommy, like, is only done radio. I don't know, seventeen, eighteen years. I'm gonna guess yeah. some, somewhere in there. Does he has he owned his own headset ever? Is 
I've never seen him. I know he doesn't now. He comes in. You know, we have some spares for guests and stuff. And when you're talking, we don't need a headset. I could talk to Tony right now. I can hear Tony talking. But Tom's got that thing. Whenever somebody else joins the conversation, he just has it pressed up to his ear. It's like, Tom, just get a a headset. But Tommy will be with us tomorrow to talk about his lack of headset. Yes, Uh, he will. That probably won't be what we're getting into. I don't know if we'll do it tomorrow. I was thinking about just kind of a – off the beaten path, we get in the same rut, right? <sighs> what are they going to do? Got to sign Josh Allen. Yes, right? Like, I, I'm getting responses yesterday. To, Man, don't they understand if they just got a long-term deal done with Josh Allen, we'd have the franchise tag available for Italy. I'm sure they understand that. They know. We know that as well. You know that. We all know that. That, And, but, oh, by the way, they still have over a month to get a deal done with they Josh do. Allen. So, it's possible that it all happens. Um, but at this point, not likely. But we get in that rut of Allen and Ridley and Balky and what are we going to do in the draft? And what are we going to do here that every once in a while? And and I get it. Those are, you know, the Jaguar issues. What's going to happen on the offensive line? What are we going to do to save some salary cap space? Mm-hmm. But feel like after a certain period of time, you want to get out of the rut. So we're thinking about, Tony and I, just doing a kind of a, a broader show, maybe a, like a, a half Jag, half everything else where we'd want you to give one Jaguar response in addition to anything else you said, but just kind of like the thing you miss about sports that doesn't happen anymore, right? That maybe whatever it happens to be, you know, just is not the way things are done anymore. Uh, It it could be as simple as, hey, I miss watching Fred Taylor play, you know, when I go to the stadium. whatever it is, yeah. I, I knew on Sundays that I was likely to see something that was worth the price of admission just from that guy alone, and that's... Fine, and something like that. So we may do something like that tomorrow or or uh, perhaps a day next week. Um, looking at Quinion Mitchell, Tony, the Toledo corner. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah in his first big board ranking put him at number 19 this week. Uh, we had seen a mock. I forget who had the mock that had the Jags taking him. And I'll be honest, my first impression was, oh, corner from Toledo. Great. That's what I want, right? Uh, a smaller school cornerback and then you start finding out about the guy you're like oh he seems like he's super productive and he's going to be one of these guys that really maybe rises up the draft board now you hear about senior bowl practices this guy's dominating every day yeah and I feel he's going to be one of these guys that you know if you go through the mock draft Jeremiah had him going to the Jags Jeremiah had him he may have on his board he had maybe he was the one on his board he had him at 19th though which is not Obviously, it's all, right around there. Right, yeah. it's right around with the value. But I feel like he is going to be one of these guys that when you first get that glance, you're like, oh, Toledo corner, boring, right? Like, I, I'm just being honest with you. Like, I'm like everybody else. Give me a, a guy I've heard of. Give me a pass catcher. Give me something exciting. I, I understand the value of offensive line. If they get yeah. a big bruiser there, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be upset if they get a lockdown corner. But I didn't know much about him. And now I feel like he's becoming the guy that – We'll look back wistfully. Remember when they projected him to fall to the mid-teens and he's going to go in the top 10 now? I was uh, looking at Daniel Jeremiah's first top 50, you know, where he has Mitchell there at number 19. Yes. And trying to look at, you know, the positions of what he has where, you know, specifically around what might be in consideration for the Jags, especially at 17, Mm -hmm. right, in this draft. And if I, I decided I'll take the first 20, to kind of get an idea of this, not that they're going to have a shot at the you know top five or ten, right? And Daniel Jeremiah's rankings necessarily, but going through the top twenty on his list, 
Seven of the 18 were offensive tackles. A lot of those that he talked about having flexibility, maybe left, right, guard, play anywhere on the offensive line, sure. right? But seven of the top 20 were offensive tackles in top 18 when everything was said and done. He had two edges in the entire top 20, uh, which was Dallas Turner. He had at number 10 out of Alabama and Jared Verse at 14 mm-hmm. out of Florida State. He had two corners in the top 20. He had Mitchell there at 19, and he had Terry and Arnold uh, out of Alabama at number six on the list. Four wide receivers in the top 20. Marvin Harrison, Adunze, uh, Malik Neighbors, and Brian Thomas. Most places have both those LSU wide receivers towards the top of whatever wide receiver rankings they're doing. Three quarterbacks, which obviously aren't coming into play for the Jags with Williams, May, and Daniels. And then two, the two that weren't among those positions, you had Brock Bowers at number eight. Right. And you had Edron Cooper, linebacker out of Texas A&M, Shouldn't be a consideration, well, I wouldn't think. And he's not a third rounder, so right, then, for the Jacks. No. But what that tells you is no interior defensive lineman and nobody listed as an interior offensive lineman, right, among that top 20, which I think is fair to look at that and say that's probably a fair range to look at for what might the Jags be thinking as far as the value in this draft, which points you towards for the fans that are out there saying it has to be interior offensive line who well there right? are some of these guys i will say they have that flexibility right. to go inside like it would have to be somebody that is going to be listed as a tackle that would have that flexibility to go inside and by the way i don't have a problem with them taking an offensive tackle at 17 move on from cam robinson draft somebody that you say is going to be the right tackle a few weeks ago Fine. i'm with you i don't have an issue with that but i think I said it when we first started talking about this. The overwhelming likelihood is the value just sitting there for interior offensive line at number 17 in the NFL draft. Like, it's just probably not going to be at that position. And as far as going into an offseason where I think interior defensive line is something they really have to figure out what they want to do with the guys that they have here, move on from Foley, these different things. What are we going to get from Devon going into next year after a lost year? For him, they just paid Roy. It's not like they haven't paid all three of these guys, but there's just not much there, right? And it's it's free agency. I'm interested to see how busy they might be on somebody that can actually have some kind of impact for them along that defensive interior because in the draft, with all the other needs they have too, if you don't draft an offensive lineman in the first round, I certainly expect they're going to at some point in day two. Right. And so you can find though there there are guard prospects usually that fall later into the sure. draft. It's just a matter of can you be the team that identifies them because we see it every year. Why did this team find a starting guard in the fourth round, the fifth round, the sixth round? Sometimes Pro Bowl type players. There are a couple of them though in Jeremiah's rankings um, yes. that specifically have been mentioned. And these are guys that maybe they're gone when the Jags pick, maybe they're not. And we talked about the. First, the, the tackle thing, if you do move on from Cam Robinson, you save the $16 million, yeah. and you apply that 16 somewhere else on your roster. By the way, you, you need more than what you have available right now just to apply the franchise tag on Josh Allen if yes, it were to do. come to that. So in this scenario, maybe Anton Harrison sliding over to the left side to be your long-term left tackle. Okay, fine. Okay, Yes, you still need probably two guards. Okay, but you're going to need them anyway. Yeah. And even if he doesn't slide over, Walker Little is the left tackle for a year and Anton's the right tackle for another year. You've okay. got tackles that yeah. could get you through for this year. 
Or, but you could draft a guy like Talise Fuaga, yep. right, who out of Oregon State, and I'm not acting like I'm putting on the scouting film. I've just read enough about him from all the pundits to know that he is considered a first-round value, and he is a guy that is talked about, can he play right, can he play left? Yes, he could, uh, but he can also slide inside and play guard. Mm-hmm. That's one thing it's said about him uh, pretty consistently. Another one is Troy Fatuano out of Washington, who, um, by the way, um, the first guy that I mentioned here, Fuaga, uh, Jeremiah ranked 11th overall. Yep. Okay. Now, again, that's his ranking. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Uh, these guys, one of these guys could very easily be available for the Jags at 17. But Fatuano sure. is a guy that he said he views him as a starting tackle, but with positional flexibility to play all five offensive line spots mm-hmm. if needed. So, okay. Bring him in. If he's clearly your best right tackle option, let Walker Little compete at guard. And if Walker Little can't beat out whatever you're planning on playing at guard, what does that tell you about Walker Little and how many chances he's had to win a starting spot on this offensive line? Is he still valuable as a swing tackle? Yes, and you'd have him in that capacity. And And if at worst, like if you brought in Fatanu, right, and that's a guy who – played guard for you for a year and while Walker was playing one of those tackle right. spots and then year two he's playing the other tackle spot off, off, uh, on the opposite side of Anton. Or maybe, that happens what, maybe Walker Little has a great year and you sign him to a three-year extension yeah, and then you, you I'm keep okay him at guard that. for a yeah. while. I am too. Obviously, yeah. If you get a high caliber player at that position at 17, I don't think that's a bad use of your resources. No. You know, But you're going to have to have a plan for how they're going to play and Walker Little on and, and now this is all presuming Cam's not back part of the team because if you if Cam's here and you've got Walker Little, even though Cam and Walker could be in the final years of their deal, I don't know if they're going to spend a first-round pick on an offensive lineman because then you'd probably be picking a pure guard yeah. as opposed to a guy who you see ultimately sliding outside and manning one of the more valuable tackle yeah. positions. Uh, I you. certainly don't think they're taking a guard in the first round. I think they may take a, a guy who winds up right. playing guard, but I don't think they're taking a guy to be a guard. There doesn't seem to be yeah. a guy. Now, there again, some team may take one of the guys like this and play him at guard for a few years, knowing in the back of their mind sure. that eventually, you know what, based on the structure of their roster – the guy who's playing right tackle for them may be aging out or his sure. contract's coming up or whatever the case may be. But I'm with you. There are a lot of offensive linemen. So you got O-line, you got pass rush, which you can never have enough of, everyone mm-hmm. says. You got corner, you got wide receiver littering the top 20. Yeah. All those are prime areas to improve the Jacksonville Jaguars. All of and them can be considered needs. Yeah. As a wild card, I saw mock. We're like I think Brock Bowers is probably gone mm-hmm. before this, but I saw a mock yesterday tone where he went 18th overall. I think it was might have been at CBS Sports. No, it might have been at uh, Pro Football Network. But either mm-hmm. way, he went 18th, and the Jags. I forget who the Jags took. I think they took a defensive tackle in that scenario. I might be wrong about that, but it, regardless, I don't anticipate having the opportunity to take Brock Bowers. Yeah. But he's the kind of guy that look if. If I'm confident that my coaching staff has a plan to use him, I don't think tight end's a position of need for this team at all. But if you get a guy who you feel maybe, and again, who knows how this will fall. Maybe Brock Bowers goes fifth to the Chargers and this is a moot point. And I think you see that quite frequently, mocked to the Chargers or the Giants in the top ten quite often. 
But if he's there and you've got, let's say, the number eight overall grade on him, but he fell for whatever combinations of reasons, he is one of the few guys I think I would consider I, – you wouldn't say blowing up your plan because you're going to have a contingency, what if this happens? you know? But the more likely path you're going to take does not involve going tight end yeah. in this draft, never mind going tight end early. But if you, know, if you could go back now, like if you knew how good Sam Laporta – was going to be. Mm-hmm. And Samuel Porter was back in this draft, and you could draft him at number 19. Would you do it? Evan Ingram's not going to be here forever. Doug Peterson has run a pretty effective two tight end offense at times. I don't think he has to have two star receiving tight ends, but he's shown he can make it work with two receiving tight ends who both need the football. Sure. You just got to have an organizational plan moving forward if you're going to do something like that. Again, in the end, I think Brock Bowers ultimately goes to another team way before the Jags had the opportunity to select him, and it's a moot point. But. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's similar to Kyle Pitts, right? Like the year he was coming out, as far as the way he's being talked about, where he's getting ranked, you know, in all these spots, tight ends aren't typically up in that kind of range. And Pitts is the last one I can remember being up there where he's consistently being listed as a top 5 to 8, 10 prospect in the entire draft. Right? Oh, sure. And I think there's been enough a few years. Right. I think there's enough value at the tight end position that if you're really a prospect of that kind of ranking, that odds are you're probably going to wind up going in the top five, eight, ten of the NFL draft. I don't think that's always been the case. There hadn't typically been a tight end who gets in that kind of range. That's rare that any tight end is being talked about in that kind of range. But when they are talked about in that kind of range, they generally go in that kind of range in the NFL draft. And unlike Pitts, Bowers is seen as a complete tight end. Like, Pitts was an athletic marvel that was going to revolutionize your yeah. passing game. Brock Bowers is going to give you tremendous upside in the passing game, but he's also going to be a devastating blocker for you as well. Yeah, and uh, I'd be getting torn in five different directions if Bowers was available. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. he is that – I think he's the wild card in, because most of these – like. One of these like one second I would love it, one second I would hate it. Like I'd be well, absolutely. What, what, what are we this? doing? But yeah. if you had a point, like particularly, like I mean, we can't just snap our fingers and have the wide receiver of our choice. Like somebody said on the text line, would you let Zay oh, Jones yeah. go and sign T Higgins? Well, yes, I would. Yeah, I don't have. Uh, there, there are a lot of people that need say in the matter. T Higgins, uh, the Bengals. Do they get a deal done with him before free agency even? opens up sure the Jags amount of cap space available it's going to be astronomical I would expect T Higgins if he hits free agency is in huge demand correct right so would we do that absolutely but you also know that there are other steps that need to be taken just to clear enough cap space right now to start the league year never mind adding pieces to this team it'll get Mm -hmm. done it always gets done in terms of the cap space but there are only so many avenues you can go down. There are only so many restructures you can do to create that. The Jags, yeah. the ones we put out there today, are for the more obvious paths that they might take to create that cap space. So, again, if you haven't voted, uh, just give us a click there at MD underscore 1010XL and let us know what you think. Which of these potential cap casualties most likely to remain with the Jags this year? Is it Cam Robinson, who would represent a $16 million savings if they let him go? Darius Williams who would be a $10 million savings, Brandon Sheriff at $9 million, or Zay Jones at 4.5, uh, nearly 400 votes on that one. It's a pretty good three-way race 
going on right now. We'll go to the phone lines coming up next at 641-1010. Tony will take us around the league. Plus, Mike Gennetti from Track on Hacker After Dark last night. I had some interesting comments projecting some of the market values of guys like Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley. So we'll hear those comments and see if we agree with uh, what we expect the market to be for a couple of impending JAG free agents or franchise tag targets, however they opt to uh, go down that road and trying to retain these guys. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and Dylan Denmark here with you. Another hour to go on Jaguars today here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. I was just talking with Pockets, Tony, uh, there on the break about some of the jobs in the business that, you know, you do to get to where you want to go ultimately. And people have asked over the years, how do I get to do your job? First of all, you can't have it. I've got my <laughs> job. You can have a job similar to mine, yeah. hopefully, but please don't take mine. But um, just be willing to do anything, yeah. right? Like uh, Barry Milligan, great friend of ours. Uh, used to lovingly refer to himself as the king of trash. King of trash. Right? Yep. Okay, Barry on Sunshine Network would call a game. It, would, it could be any directional school's uh, junior varsity volleyball team. And he'd, he'd be calling that he'd game, man. Yeah. Guess what? Those checks cleared. Yes, they do. Just the same. And uh, I was just reminiscing with Pockets, um, my stretch as the voice of the St. Augustine Speedway for a mm-hmm. few years. And I followed in the footsteps of Joe Coward. And... Um, Probably the the wor- maybe the worst broadcasting gig that I've had was having to I don't know if we broadcast this portion live on the air, but at least emceeing the tire burnout competitions that they would do, where they just yeah. wanted to see how much smoke they could create with their tires on pit road right there on the front stretch, and I get to stand next to him with a mic going. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. How'd you get those tires to smoke so much? That's a good smoker right there. That's good smoke. Yeah. Uh, so things you do. And now look. Yeah. The pinnacle. We've reached the pinnacle as at 1010XL. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, as high as we personally can yeah. go, that is actually probably fairly <laughs> accurate. All right. Uh, note they didn't ask me to fill in on the drill this morning. I have hit huh. my ceiling. Uh, Tony's still got room for growth. Right there. Hit us up today. We've got over 400 votes in on this. Uh, which of these potential salary cap casualties most likely to remain with the Jags in 2024? Is it Cam Robinson, Darius Williams, Brandon Sheriff, and Zay Jones? Each would represent a different amount of savings, and that is included in the question if you go to AdMD underscore 1010XL on Twitter or X. Uh, Tony, let's hear these uh, thoughts from Mike Gennetti of SpotTrack. SpotTrack, of course, uh, it stands for Sports Tracker, Sports Contract Tracker, but that's where the, the name of the site came from. And, you know, we talk about this information is available on contracts. It's out there, whether it's overthecap.com. I know DRock always references, like, ESPN has an internal tracker that they use, which, by the way, if you look at the off-season agendas for all the different teams, and, and, you know, one of the things, for instance, DRock, they ask, the beat the writers, what's a hidden need? Mm-hmm. He talked about interior offensive line. It's not hidden to us. We no. talk about it every day. Though. No. When you're yeah. thinking about it around the country, you're thinking about, I wonder what the Jaguars guard situation is like. But anyway, ESPN has the Jags with $24 million in available cap space, which is like at least six or seven more than any other source mm-hmm. I see out there. But anyway, so spot track obviously is uh, something that we use to reference. You know, we say, all right, 
so-and-so signed a contract for this year, uh, this many years, this amount of dollars, and we use it to reference the dead cap hit, for instance. Mm-hmm. All right, if Cam Robinson's on this team, he's going to cost you approximately $21 million in cap space. Okay, that's not his actual salary, but the cap hit will be $21 million. If he's off the team, you're still going to have a $5 million hit. That's called the dead cap hit because he's no longer there. It's dead money. You can't use it, but it represents a $16 million savings. So the mm-hmm. question is, are we better off having Cam Robinson or are we better off not having Cam Robinson with an extra $16 million of resources to spend? So in part of this whole thing, you know, we asked yesterday, what are you comfortable giving Calvin Ridley for a contract? And continue to get responses throughout the day on that. And I yep. appreciate that. Not everybody listens or is on social media at the same time. And there were several people that are like, hey, you know what, man? 10, 11 million bucks based on what he's done, based on what the market is, based on everything. I think he's worth more than that. And I I think for sure. I no. think he's worth more than that, but I can understand feeling that way. Uh, right. Yeah. So a wide variety of things. So what? But what will the value be? I think if Ridley, and as we talked about, because of market forces, if he gets out there and Mike Evans is already off the market, if T. Higgins is off the market, maybe Michael Pittman Jr. is off the market. You know, Calvin Ridley and maybe Marquise Brown being the most attractive guys out there. Yep. And, well, okay, maybe if you're just looking for a, a purely a field stretcher, Marquise Brown may be the apple of your eye if you want to go a little bit younger. I think Calvin Ridley's more accomplished than Marquise Brown, even not having played for those two years. So that's going to drive the price up. So uh, we'll get to Ridley, but here's Mike Gennetti, a spot track on with Hacker last night, talking about what he thinks will be the projected market value of Josh Allen. I think that $22 million franchise tag is a no-brainer, at least as a starting. And, and quite frankly, I have a feeling that Jacksonville may be privy to let him play that out. Will he? I don't think so. I don't think he's going to sign that because uh, he knows where things are headed. And, and just from a mathematical standpoint, we're talking $25 million a year. So four years, $100 million is what I have his projected contract at right now. So uh, Jacksonville will play this thing a little bit because, like I said, there's so many now decisions to make. Uh, but this guy's a slam dunk. He has been now for the better part of a couple of years, and uh, there's at least $100 million in his future. If the ja- Boy, I'd like to think. Now, who knows? Because trying to get inside Trent Baalke's head is not a winning proposition. All right, trying to get inside anybody's head, uh, you know, good luck guessing what someone else is thinking. But we know as of last Friday, was it Friday or yeah. Thursday? It was, it was Thursday. It was, as of last Thursday, Baalke yeah, spoke, Thursday, right? As of yeah. a week ago. Yeah. Had not spoke to Josh Allen's representatives. Right. I would hope if they thought there was a glimmer of a chance that he would take four years, $100 million, that they would sign it yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, we've compared him to the guys who just got the deals. Rashawn Gary, four years, $96 million. Call it 100 Okay, It's a million-dollar difference. I don't think this is going to get caught up over a million-dollar difference. No. million dollars to us, life-changing. To Josh Allen, when you're – Going to collect 24 or 25, then eh, it's not going to make as big of a deal. Um, but if I'm looking at that I'm, and I'm looking at the guys at Montez Sweat and Rashawn Gary, if I'm Josh Allen, I'm not taking that offer. Last offseason with the Evan Ingram stuff, I thought franchise tag was the most likely with Ingram for a bunch of different reasons, right? I thought one of the main reasons to me was what does the tight end market look like right now in free agency? There were three or four guys that were potentially going to hit it, and what were any of them going to get paid? Well, it turned out none of them got paid, right? Ingram signed the franchise tag, but no deal that got made with anybody 
helped his value on his next contract as far as whatever those negotiations were going to look like. Dalton Schultz didn't get the long-term deal. Like, those kind of guys didn't get that money. And Joku finally did. Najoku finally did from Cleveland, and it helped set the parameters for whatever that contract was going to be. But there were complications with, well, how much are the contracts going to go up, right? When that money comes in, how much is that going to affect the tight end, what people are willing to pay the tight end market? I think a little bit of that is in play with what's happening with Josh Allen. What is Brian Burns going to get? What is Daniil Hunter going to get? And I think what those two guys potentially get does have a direct impact on what Josh Allen might get because he should be ahead of both those guys in this market. Whatever they're going to get, Josh Allen should get that plus something. That may not be Bosa money, but I think it's going to be bracketed in right ahead of those guys. I certainly think he's going to wind up ahead of Sweat and Gary. Oh, for sure, those guys. I I, I can make the argument for Daniil Hunter, and I get the age factor. That's the only factor in Josh Allen's favor. But Daniil Hunter has been a force for a while, and elite pass rushers tend to age gracefully compared to some other positions. I, I think there's some pretty good examples of very effective pass rushers even into their mid-30s, right? So I think I could make the argument. Daniel Hunter's had like five double-digit sack seasons, right? Yeah. So, and he had what, like 16 this year, 16 yeah. and a half? But I think Josh Allen's camp is going to say, we need to see what Hunter's going to get, what Burns is going to get before we talk. Right, I he think may. that's that's the way that they're probably going to feel about it. And but I would still want to have had that phone call. Right, you know, and if that's you were going to make the offer that got him to sign it now, I don't think four years a hundred is going to be the one that gets him to I don't sign either. it now. I think it would have to be all right, maybe twenty eight. But the frustration is to tone that now. they haven't even just all he had to do. If you say, hey, first thing, first day, just call, clean out their locker. Yeah, um, I would have I would have been in the locker room. I would have stopped by. Seriously, I would have stopped by and said, hey, Josh, man. Your priority. Got to reach out to your representation. Let's get this knocked out. We know you want to be a Jag. We want you here. What's wrong with that? That doesn't kill your leverage. It didn't. No, it's the you, job. You didn't offer him fifty million a year. You're, you're just. It, there's. It's interpersonal relationships. Yep. Those matter to some degree. Montez Sweat, Tony, mm-hmm. signed a deal last year where he got ninety-eight million in new money, seventy-two point nine million guaranteed. Montez Sweat, okay? Mm-hmm. The deal in total is worth 105. I don't, you know, let's just call it a four-year, $100 million contract, okay. right? With $73 million fully guaranteed. Well, clearly he's one of the best pass rushers in the league, right? Hmm. He had six sacks this year. Yeah. He had six and a half last year. He's never had more than nine in six years. Seven, nine, five, eight, six and a half, six. We'd take that. I'd take that as my number two pass rusher, right? I mean, yeah. to I give this guy had, $25 million a year? I thought this year he had the six in Oh, Washington. you know what he did? He had 12 yeah. and a half. I'm sorry. He, yeah. he he split it. I'm looking at the split between the two. So yeah. this year, okay, he did have year. his breakout. Yeah. He had 12 and a half. You're absolutely right about yeah. that. But coming into this year, had never had more than nine. Right. They trade for him. He's having a good season, not a Josh Allen season. No. You're absolutely right because they, they split the the Bears and Commanders onto two different lines from this mm-hmm. year. So that that makes a lot more sense. But even at 12 and a half, yeah. Josh Allen at 17 and a half. Okay? And so, all right, well, what do you do before that? Well, he had seven and a half and seven the last couple of years, right? Well, Sweat had eight and five. So yeah. 
Allen as productive or a slightly ahead of him yeah. in that regard. And this guy got $73 million guaranteed $100 million total package over four years. Why would Josh Allen, why yeah. would that be his market value? And I think there's the potential for the sweat evaluation to be similar to some of the things we said about Allen talking about 2022, because I'm looking at his numbers now, right? And we talked a lot about quarterback hits and them translating to sacks, and it's usually around half. 40 to 50% of your QB hits usually translate to sacks is the way it works. Well, 2022, he only had eight sacks, but he had 28 quarterback hits. Okay. So maybe the team looking at him looks at him as a guy who is – more more effective pass rusher than the sad, right, sacks like more alone More like a 12 to 14, 15 sack guy for us, right? And I think it was a fair way to look at Josh Allen potentially coming out of those last couple of years too. It's the QB hits weren't equating to sacks for Josh Allen uh, for a couple of years here in Jacksonville. This year they obviously did. How many quarterback hits for Josh Allen this year? Do you have that? I don't. Up in I front of you. Pull it up, though. Montez Sweat had uh, <clears throat> yeah, he had 28 that year. He had 25 this season. So that worked out. He had 12 and a half sacks. He's right on it. This year. <clears throat> that is exactly where he's right on. So if you so it, if you think if you're projecting him and saying it should be a 50 percent deal, yeah, but Josh Allen 17 and a half and 33. He's right at it too. Right. So okay. So and what did he do? The couple years prior, last year it was seven on twenty-two. Right, okay. that's more so than eleven. He, so it felt year. like there was there should have been a few more. Yeah, uh, the year before that was about the number fourteen, seven and a half. So yeah. he's His probably year was twenty-three and ten and a half. It's right at it. Right. So Josh Allen projects as a little bit higher ceiling right now than Montez Sweat. Mm-hmm. Montez Sweat projected out to probably be about what he was. If you went on those quarterback hits, he had twenty-eight of them. Sure. The year prior, you expect 14 sacks. You got 12 and a half this year. So for a guy you're expecting 14 sacks from, you got a guy who had 17 and a half. Yeah. And he loves the franchise and everything that goes into it. Montez Sweat had to go somewhere else to get paid. And that's the thing. Somebody else was desperate enough to give a guy who was on pace for 12 and a half sacks, $100 million, and the team that drafted him was not. Yeah. They were like, you know, he's been around here for three and a half years. He's good. He ain't that good. Yeah, and if you look at Trayvon Walker, while we're talking about this, 19 quarterback hits this year with the 10 sacks. And he had 10 sacks, so that's yeah. right. What do you have the year before? Uh, 10 quarterback hits, three and a half. So close, close. to that ratio. It's that 40 to 50% is what you generally expected. He was about a half sack lower. Right, and that's you know yeah. too small a sample to yeah. make that significant. But the point being, like I would love for some of these projections to be true. I just don't think they're anywhere near the the realm of possibility, no. you know. And and then you know what with the Jags, if the Jags sign Josh Allen for thirty million a year, there'll be a lot of people going, "Great, you got it done." They'll be then they'll be the camp going, "Well, you should have paid him last year." Of course, that was coming off three years in which he didn't total seventeen and a half sacks. Yeah. So if you had paid him last year, what it would what would represent what I think would be a savings right now. People would have been going crazy that they paid him last well, year. Yeah. You're paying him for seven and a half sacks, and you're paying him twenty plus million. That's what's wrong with this franchise. I guarantee <laughs> you, we would have heard that. And if you just pay him thirty, yeah. Beyond that argument, you're just going to hear people go, "Well, that's just stupid. You're yeah. just paying him stupid money." When Those not realizing the, that's where the market's pushing right. and that, that contract. Talking about the Calvin Ridley thing yesterday, I it was the same thing with Kirk when they paid him, right? 
How stupid are y'all? Right. Like, what are but you that paying contract? I mean, really, and and we pointed it out at the time. Uh, the the one you should have been complaining about was Kenny Galladay. Yes. Who got that much or more from the Giants, but that contract quickly disappeared because yeah. they got rid of him after a couple of yeah. years. And they, no one blinked an eye. Like, when they signed Galladay to that deal. Because he had the one big year, like a 1,300-yard yeah. year, I want to say, Detroit, in Detroit. it was like, yeah. Okay, like, oh, yeah, they're right. Okay. Well, guess what? So the what? Jags a year later? So the Jags, you're saying, had better foresight in identifying right. a guy whose best was yet to come as opposed to going, oh, he put up big numbers, he'll do that again. It's what, what it feels like the Giants ended up doing. Yeah. Right? And I get it. Sometimes you got to take a gamble out there. I feel like T. Higgins is a different guy. Like, Kenny Galladay was a guy that put it together for, like, a year. I feel like T. Higgins has been a steady producer yes, pretty consistently for Cincinnati and uh, still fits that age bracket where you'd love to see it, the the reunion with Trevor Lawrence. Look, again, I'm not fixated on T. Higgins because I can't – I'm way under 50% confident that it'll even be available to – make an offer to, to, yeah. to contact, to reach out to his representative. And even if that's the case, you won't be the only one going after Certainly him. Certainly not. No. Doesn't mean I wouldn't like it. All right, uh, we got to get a break in here. We'll come back. Uh, we'll get back to your phone calls at 641-1010. And Tony will take us around the National Football League as well. Coming up, this is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jaguars Today on 1010XL. All right, we'll get to these uh, phone calls here in just a second at 641-1010. Uh, but let's let Tony catch you up with the news around the National Football League, including, Tony, the opening that we discussed briefly in Hour 1, Washington has mm-hmm. been filled. Now, gems around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. Yes, it has been. All the NFL head coaching jobs are now filled after the Washington Commanders are set to hire Dallas defensive coordinator Dan Quinn to be their next head coach. Seattle last night hired Baltimore defensive coordinator Mike McDonald as their new head coach. San Francisco tight end George Kittle was listed as a non-participant for the 49ers in their estimated Wednesday practice report. On the other side for Kansas City, Running back Isaiah Pacheco, guard Joe Tooney, and defensive tackle Chris Jones were all listed as non-participants in their estimated practice report on Wednesday. And Cleveland running back Kareem Hunt, who has been dealing with a grunt injury throughout much of this season, underwent sports hernia surgery on Tuesday to repair a ruptured adductor. Recovery time for Hunt is expected to be six to eight weeks. He is a free agent this year. All right, thank you, Tone. Uh, don't forget to vote in our poll question today or on our poll question today, which of these potential salary cap casualties most likely to stay with the Jags in 2024? Cam Robinson, Darius Williams, Brandon Sheriff, and Zay Jones. Six four one ten ten. we go to the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. Uh, Jason and Julington Creek next up. What's up, Jason? What's up, fellas? Love the show. I completely agree. I'd have been down in the locker room at least touching base with Josh. A lot of our armchair uh, GMs, they got to stop and realize, his first year, great production. He had someone really great on the other side. This year, Walker's elevated his game. Someone on the other side. Allen's coming on. He's the player we always thought he was, the guy we saw the first year. A lot of these guys have a low football IQ. Love the show. Let's go. I appreciate it, man. I, you know, look, everyone just has different opinions. I don't know yeah. if they have low football IQs. I will say this. I think that Josh Allen helped along Trayvon Walker more than vice yeah. versa. I don't think it was like, hey, Trayvon had a breakout year, therefore Josh got back to that rookie form plus some. I think Josh was creating so much havoc back there that Trayvon 
was the beneficiary of some of that. And, and that's how it works, by the way. Yeah. When you got two bookend pass rushers, they can feed off of each other. I said this last offseason when we were talking about all the contract stuff with Josh Allen and what you'd be comfortable with them offering. And, you know, we put it out on the, the Twitter question was four years, 80 million. And my answer to that question at the time was I'd pay that now. Like I was one of the guys that said I'd be willing to make that offer now. I also said I think Josh Allen would tell you no. Like I'm going to play on the fifth year option. We'll we'll talk about this again next year if that's the best offer that you're willing to make. And I would have understood it from his side, and I can understand it from all the fans that would have said, "What are you doing?" Right? Like I can understand that there would be a bunch of fans that felt that way. I wasn't going to be in that group. Like I was comfortable with Josh Allen at that point, at that kind of money already. And I'm comfortable with them this offseason making him an offer that would pay him somewhere in that $28, $29 million range. That wouldn't bother me. I'm not saying that it wouldn't bother anybody or that that's the offer I expect the team to ultimately make to Josh Allen, but that kind of offer wouldn't bother me to Josh Allen because of the kind of player that I think that he is. Look, I, I don't care how much he makes. You I don't know what I mean? If he makes $70 million, good for you. I care about the salary cap only because I want the team to be as competitive as possible. Absolutely. And here's the, the thing, and it's no secret. If you sign Josh Allen to a long-term deal, you can lower that initial cap figure. In yes. fact, for the first couple of years, you can control it a lot better then if you just apply the franchise tag, if you cannot, as of today, if this were February 20th and nothing else changes between now and then, you can't apply the franchise tag. Mm-hmm. You don't have the available cap space. You've got to have that. And the cap right now, let's call it $17 million, right? We don't know exactly what they have. Uh, the franchise tag number for an outside linebacker, or edge rusher is going to be in the $22 million range. And that's where it's going to be. So mm-hmm. you got to create $5 million in cap space just to apply that uh, to Josh Allen right now. Whereas if you sign him to a long-term deal, you give him the big guaranteed money, but you spread it out over multiple years. You give him a low salary in year one, and maybe his cap hit is who knows what. And maybe it's $8 million, right? Yeah. I mean, there are absolutely ways you can do that, and you actually save money uh, or save resources let's put it that it's not about saving money nobody cares josh allen's richer than i'll ever be in my life don't begrudge him that no second he can do things i can't do i don't there's not a market for my services like there are for him good for him people say all the time you guys are obsessed with grown men's money no no we're really not only in relation to the effect it has on the other money they can spend that's it right i mean if if you got like we said if you had no salary cap and you had a team willing to spend spend it all Spent, yeah. I've always been that. Like yeah. people, your team's trying to buy a championship. You're damn right it is. Yeah. You're damn right. You're, I wish you were more successful doing it. The rules dictate that you're allowed to. Absolutely. Right. The you're, NFL you're, rules do not do that. I don't know what how frustrating it would be to have a team that was unwilling to spend a competitive amount of money. To, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to be a Pirates fan. Hell no. Just or don't. a Royals fan, or yeah. a, or Rays fan, or any of those things. And I'm not saying those teams can't. Pop up and has success, and that great for those fan bases. I want to have a chance going into the year to know that if my team is managed well, at least I got a shot. And yeah. in the NFL, they've made that mandatory, right? Now that doesn't mean you're going to manage it well. No, but in terms but of they've set up a the system. Resources, yeah, you've all got the same amount of resources available to you, at least in terms of what you're able to spend. There are other resources, such as do we have the right coaching staff? Mm-hmm. Right? Do we have uh, a, a culture, an environment that people want to be a part of? There are other things. And the Jags are, you know, hopefully 
competitive in those regards as well. Uh, let's get our man Stephen Melbourne up next here on Jaguars today. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing today? All right, bud. What's up? Uh, about my thoughts on the Josh Allen, because right now when you look at spot rack, I wanted to check first before I really said anything. Uh, has him at 23.9, so basically 24 mil. That's the value that they have in that, and Ridley's at 17 mil. And I, I just wanted to get your ballpark idea of thoughts for Ridley and Josh Allen, because I'm just going by those rates, and you can use leverage against Ridley. I mean, you're going to be 30. Um, how long should we do? We understand it's your first year in the system, kind of off. You didn't probably didn't play the way you wanted to play. And Josh Allen, I mean, you had an outstanding year. It's rated at 24, but we think you're worth more, worth more than that. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, you can only use leverage mm-hmm. if you have, I mean, if you're the only one negotiating with Ridley, you could play hardball and go, well, you had all these drops, you had this, you had that. But unless you put the franchise tag on him and then try to negotiate, yeah. then you've got no leverage. Yeah, that's a lot of the conversation we had you know, the last couple of days right. talking about Calvin Ridley and his contract. And I think the most likely outcome is that T Higgins and Mike Evans are going back to Cincinnati mm-hmm. and Tampa. And I think when those two pieces fall into place, that there is a compelling argument to be made that Calvin Ridley will be the best wide receiver on the free agent market. Not everyone will feel that way. Some teams will, will would prioritize maybe Pittman. Maybe, right? Maybe but, Brown. But he'd be top three at the worst, likely top two right. on most lists. And I think if you get to that point, this projection is $17 million, I don't think that gets it done. I not, don't either. Not in an open market bidding. I think you'd have to offer something over twenty to be the team that actually right. lands. If it. this were baseball and you had, you know, the, the guy wasn't eligible for free agency for multiple, multiple years, even after their contracts run out, right? Yeah. You can go to arbitration and yeah. try to lowball him. It's not that system. So, I mean, go to Josh Allen and look, I, that's, I hope that they do get something done. In the, I, I'd be fine with the $28, 29000000 million range. Heck, if, if they decide that yeah. they can make it work at 30 or 31, whatever, fine, go ahead. Just get it done. Get it done. But once, if then you go to Ridley, Ridley's not going to sign a below market deal without knowing what his market's going to be, no. right? Because if you offer Ridley, let's say fourteen million a year, right? Whatever, right? It's uh, uh four years, fifty six million, fourteen million a year with whatever guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to pull that if free agency comes, and, right? And he hasn't signed it because he's going to get better than that. You know that likely he's going to get better than that, significantly better than that. So. You know, you could try to use the, all the leverage you want. If you apply the franchise tag, then Ridley goes, well, now i got a guaranteed $22 million, or roughly, in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So you want to give me what exactly? Like, yeah. what is my benefit to sign this long-term deal when I'm starting with $22 million when I sign on the dotted line right here? You want me to sign for, you know, under that scenario, let's say two years, $30 million? Yeah. Or what, what? why would I do that? No. What, I could play this out for 22 and next year you don't think I can make eight? From somebody, you know, and I, I know we throw these numbers around like they're, they're a joke, and they're because they are to some degree, right? We just we can't relate to the numbers. It's no. more just a game, a puzzle of putting all the pieces together. For everybody that says, and we got tons of this reaction. It's like we know that it's preferable to get a long-term deal done with Josh Allen to at least have the specter of using the franchise tag because then you can negotiate with Ridley. Like, hey, look. But here's the thing with Ridley. You can threaten up to a certain point, but if it costs you a second-round pick 
if you sign him before the league year, you're not going to sign him before the league year, right? So if you're not going to do that, you can only threaten the franchise tag up until March the 4th. Mm-hmm. And then the league year doesn't open until mid-March. So if you haven't applied the tag, you can't go back and retroactively yes. do it. And then you're just putting the tag on if that's the direction you want to go and, and, and hoping he doesn't sign And I it. would do that. For two weeks. Right, and I would say, look, you can sign it in two weeks if you want to, but we would like to sign you Mm long-term. But we're going to do this. And if I ended up having to pay Calvin Ridley, overpay him for one year, I would do it because I don't want to create that hole right now on this team. Um, And maybe, just maybe, he will have knocked some of that rust off, and the chemistry will be better with Trevor Lawrence going into their second year together. But uh, it's a puzzle, and there's – Multiple ways of putting it together, but yep. these different moves are dependent on each other. Like you said, Tony, Josh Allen's camp may want to wait and see what does the market have for pass rushers out there. Yep. What are these other guys going to sign for? But that doesn't mean you shouldn't at least Talk make to the contact yeah. and have those conversations, at least the groundwork and foster a good relationship and those kind of things. All right, we'll come back. Right now, 444 votes. Um, in at the moment, which of these potential salary cap casualties most likely to remain with the Jags this year? Cam Robinson, Darius Williams, Brandon Sheriff, Zay Jones will discuss and debate on the other side and take a look at uh, how you've been voting on that this morning as well. With Tony Smith and Dylan Denmark, I'm Mike Dempsey. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL. All right, a few things here on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures before we wrap up. Uh, Tony, how do you feel about the report yesterday? I think Walter Football going around about Calvin Ridley, the Jags frustrated with his performance, could be looking for a big-bodied wide receiver. I feel like you don't have to talk to any source. and you could. Who wouldn't be frustrated with the drops and the poor route running? Mm -hmm. That also doesn't mean that they didn't recognize Calvin Ridley did some good things. I you get in these situations, man, you don't know who that person's talking to. Nope. You know, you have no idea. Do I think Trent Balky is Walter Football's source? No. Trent no. Balky got up and raved about Calvin Ridley publicly yeah. last week. Did he have to do that? No. I mean, so I, I don't put a whole lot of stock into it, honestly. No. Who, who wouldn't? You can look at his makeup of this wide receiver core and go, they need a big-bodied wide yeah. receiver. I think the source only has to be as close to the team as you or I for a site like that to write an article about it. Agreed. Right? Like, I I think that's as close as they need a source on that kind of information to be. So when I see it, I'm like, yeah, I can understand someone having that opinion. Tune into this show. Yeah. And we, we'll be your source. Right, uh, on Calvin that. Ridley. That's that's fine, but I ultimately don't think it means all that much. Uh, what do you think of the rumors of Kirk Cousins looking for $90 million for two years coming off an Achilles? Yeah, I'm surprised it's that cheap, honestly. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, Kirk Cousins has shown he can play. Yes, he has. Uh, his game is not like quick twitch uh, dominant, so the torn Achilles doesn't, I don't think, factor in as much with him yeah. as it would with another quarterback. Um, Justin Jefferson has stated he wants him back. This seems to be... Like the Atlanta Falcons could be a ready-made team for him to join, so there's going to be a market. And if Daniel Jones got 40, Kirk Cousins is easily worth 45 yeah. million uh, My thoughts on it are, one, glad that the Jags don't even have to think about these kind of things when they're happening in free agency yeah. uh, for a while with uh, Trevor Lawrence. And two, he's not going to a team in the AFC South, so I don't think about it all that deeply anyway. Yeah. Right? Like right. the three but teams it, in the South, I get it I from a league perspective. Crazy. I don't think it's crazy either, but it's not going to affect – 
this team, and it's not going to affect one of their divisional opponents either. DJ Delphonic saying, I can't imagine Josh Allen turning down uh, the franchise tag and sitting out. I don't think he'll sit out. No. But when will he show up? I do think you, he'll do you want sign that? when it's time to play. Do you want to create the environment where all offseason, all his teammates are being asked about it. How do you feel about Josh Allen not being here? Do you feel that Josh Allen should have got a contract? Were you surprised Josh Allen didn't get a long-term extension? I mean, he trained away from the team last year until he had to be here. Right. And I would imagine he'd probably do that again. Yeah. You know, and I don't have a problem with that. If you don't have to be here, you don't have to be here. And it certainly didn't impact him negatively in terms of how he played. No. That being said, I'd like him to be here for training camp and things like that. Um, if you don't sign the franchise tag, you don't have to be here. No, and I could see him waiting until very deep into August to do that. No and, doubt. You know, that's another consideration, but it's also a tool in the team's disposal. And you can't be afraid of that entirely because I think the idea is let's apply the franchise tag and let's work on getting that long-term deal done. Mm-hmm. All right, let's look at today's question today with a 10-10 take. 10-10 take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10-10 take. Brought to you by Leonard Truck Accessories. All right, this is a, a tough one for me to rank in order, but uh, I'll endeavor to do it anyway. Which of these potential salary cap casualties is the most likely to remain with the Jags in 2024? Cam Robinson, Darius Williams, Brandon Sheriff, Zay Jones. The easy one to eliminate is Brandon Sheriff. I, I, I'm surprised 11% of the vote went to Brandon Sheriff as the most likely to remain in Jacksonville. You're going to save $9 million if you let him go. I think he's going to walk. Uh, and you're going to have a new starting right guard. Mm-hmm. Um, the others, I can make a case for all of them being here. I'm going to say it's Darius Williams, Tony, although maybe not playing for $10.5 million this year. I could see them. I, I don't the, – the problem with letting Darius Williams walk is now you're opening up a gaping hole at a position you might already be looking at very highly if he's here. I could see a deal where you extend him out a couple of years, you lower this year's salary cap figure, and he's here for the next couple of seasons. Something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have the alternative. With Cam, there are multiple alternatives on how you can restructure the offensive line in-house and through the draft. I would put him second, though, on the team because I do think he is arguably the most effective offensive lineman. I put Zay third. Um, The savings isn't as big as these other guys, but I also think – it's harder to justify an $11 million cap hit for what he gave you this sure. year. Sure. Uh, I would go Williams at the top of the list. I I think it's pretty easy for me that he's the most likely to be on the team. Of these four to me, I would put Jones second on that list for me. I think Cam and Sheriff are pretty close in my mind. Honestly, I think I have been trying to get Cam off this roster for four years, and it's never worked, so I'm going to stop putting him at the bottom. A list like this is essentially how I feel. The team feels way better about Cam Robinson than I do. I'm fine going into next season with the money you could save on Cam Robinson and Anton and Walker being the tackles and do whatever else you're going to do in this offseason beyond that. So I would go Williams, Jones, Robinson, Sheriff in that order. I don't think there's much chance at all that Sheriff is back on the team. Uh, yeah, I don't. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Now, like, look, if it was my call, I might be more comfortable with Sheriff being back on the team than Cam at that number for me. I think that is how I would look at it. I don't think the team's going to look at it that way at all. I don't I think either. Sheriff is walking. I, I think they're walking away from that. You, you got to find a guard or two, but sixteen million dollars in cap savings from Cam Robinson can help you find a couple of guards yes, as they, well. Absolutely. All right, uh, that'll do it for us uh, today. So let's welcome in XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. 
Visit TireOutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. All right, Matt Hayes is here. Hello, Matt. Greetings, fellas. How are you? Good. Who do you think, out of this list, who's the most likely to still be with the Jags this year? Cam Robinson, Darius Williams, Brandon Sheriff, Zay Jones. All represent some degree of cap savings. Wow. Wow. Uh, I like that. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Darius Williams. Most likely to stay. Yeah. You think it's on the current deal? I say I think they they gotta look and rework. Yeah. Extend him right. You can yeah. still you can get ten point five in guaranteed money. Yeah. And just you know restructure this deal and and take that cap hit down. They got to find some money. Some they don't have enough money to apply the franchise tag to Josh Allen or Calvin Ridley right now. Right. So gonna have to create it. There will be. It will be I, like I'm. I'm with Tony. I don't think Sheriff. There's no way Sheriff is, no is way on this Sheriff. roster. Look, a couple. They're looking ago, for two new guards. So there's no doubt about I, it. I I don't know what they're going to do with Cam, but I am on. I think team save 16 million. Go draft a right tackle in the first yeah. round. The value is going to be there at right tackle. Or if you feel good enough about Walker Little as being your long term guy, but let Walker Little play guard at one of the spots for a year, or or be your swing tackle or whatever, and right. take that 16 million man and go plug some holes on this football team. Yeah, you know? no, I completely agree. I mean, look, we all are kind of – we've been iffy about Cam for who knows how long now, right? Clearly he was the best guy in the line this year by the end of the year. But, I mean, who's to say it's going to continue that way? He's getting older. There's no doubt about it, right? He has injury history. There's no doubt about that. Well, he missed eight games this year, but and part of it was the suspension, was suspension right? right? But that's – Trying to come self, back from the injury. That's self-inflicted as well. So, right. Uh, look, I'm not saying he's a bad player. Nor am I. Got to make tough decisions sometimes, yeah. you know. And and I think they a lot of these guys. I think I think Darius Williams when they sign him, the way they structure that deal, they're clearly thinking they're going to let him walk this year and save almost every penny of it. But I don't know if any of those young you corners, right, have <laughs> developed. I mean, you're, we're already looking at mocks that have yeah. corner in the first round with Williams on the yeah. team on top of the year he had. Right. right, like, like well, it's well, the combination of we'd love to have somebody to hand that yep. job to if we were going to walk away from him because he was just kind of okay this year, but he was one of your better players on that side of the ball all season long. All right, uh, what's coming up today? We got uh, Yancey Thigpen coming up in the first hour. We'll talk a little Super Bowl, one of Leon's legends. We will clearly talk Jags and a little college football, maybe even a little college basketball. Big win the Gators last night in Rupp Arena. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Big, big. Uh, they, they needed it. Um, it's a fun team to watch. I, I mean, I don't know how how deep they'd go in the tournament, but they're a fun team to watch, which is compared to last year. <laughs> oof. I think I've watched less than one total half of college basketball. That was my. I watched the last eight season. minutes yesterday. I, I truly haven't. Like, I'll, and I'll, <laughs> I watch the Knicks every chance I get, but um, college basketball. My I, my bandwidth is shrinking at this point. You know what I mean? Like I, I it's like NFL is such a year round enterprise. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's always in season. Well, and when we all have fifteen streaming services to go get right. whatever you want, thing. like unless it's too. a sport you're really into, then you got something else you can do. By the way, Postcard Killings on Netflix, great movie. Oh, I watched it with the guy from Walking Dead. Um, yeah, Negan. Negan, yeah, yeah, just watch it. It's really okay. Good. It's all right. I thought it was okay. I yeah. like the concept. Um, I like the concept of name. I, I, Negan's the character's name. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name. But yeah, I don't no, it was pretty good. It made was, you yeah. think a little bit. That's why I liked it. It, it was yeah. decent. My wife and I watched it the other day. I didn't hate it. Uh, my, my new, I was telling Tony, my new obsession is um, love on the spectrum, where autistic people are dating other nice. autistic people. It's, I, you, 
I've yet to meet one of them on this show that you don't root for with 100% mm-hmm. every fiber of your being. Greatest people, uh, just like the most genuine people. And I am not that guy who likes touchy-feely mm-hmm. garbage, and mm-hmm. I am just enthralled by this show awesome. uh, for the last few days. Jeffrey so. Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, that's who yep. it is. Yep, there you go. All right, Matt, have a great show. Bye, guys. Appreciate you. That'll do it for us today. Tommy Mack will be in uh, tomorrow after his guest-starring appearance with Taylor Dahl this morning on mm-hmm. The Drill. Uh, and uh, I don't know if we'll do that tomorrow, but to be thinking about that. And then in the days ahead, we'll be yeah. doing one of those, uh, what do you miss from sports that, you know, I, I don't know the exact way to phrase it right now, but this stuff that you used to be able to count on that's no longer part of your sports yeah. landscape kind of thing. That could be anything. could be a player who's retired or – uh, a team that moved. Or amateurs in the Olympics. Whatever it happens whatever. to be. Right, whatever yeah. that amateurs in college sports, yeah. for that matter. <laughs> By the way, when BC's head coach, when a, when a Power 5 head coach leaves to take a coordinator job in the NFL, mm-hmm. that shows you the direction things are headed. He's the third yeah. head coach, first Power 5 guy this offseason to go from head coach to coordinator level because they don't want to deal with the NIL stuff anymore. I totally get it. All right. uh, That'll do it for us today. We'll talk to you tomorrow from 10 to noon with Tommy Mack with more Jaguars today right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.